Well, welcome to the kickoff of our Knowledge Cast podcast series presented by the Ideals Foundation. I'm Jack Williams, the founder of the Ideals Foundation. We're excited to begin this first season of our podcast. We have 15 guests scheduled during our first season and that we think will provide a pretty broad spectrum of interest. Uh, to view dates of our future podcasts and the guests that we'll be speaking with, you can go to my website, www.jackwwilliams.com and click on the podcast button. Well, it's a real pleasure to have someone uh, with us today that I just recently had the opportunity to get to know, and, and I'm so very glad that I did. And that person is Ralph Stokes. Ralph is the Director of Events and Partnership Marketing for the PGA Superstore. Prior to joining uh, the PGA Superstore, Ralph was a senior executive in the insurance industry with a couple of companies. He played football, uh, and, and was a graduate of Alabama, and he recently just finished and, and released his first book, One of the First, which we want to talk about some today. So, Ralph, uh, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Jack, for inviting me. Glad to be uh, here with you this afternoon. Why don't you first, first just kind of share with us a little bit uh, what you do at the PGA Superstore. Thank you. I, I am Partnership Marketing Director and uh, Community Impact Director. I manage our relationship with all the major golf industry partners like the PGA Tour, the uh, LPGA, the USGA, PGA of America, and make sure we are, as a PGA Tour Superstore retailer, are tying ourselves to the golf industry and being a part of the golf game itself and trying to support and help the growth of the game of golf. I also manage our giving and our uh, impact in the community. I support all of the golf tournaments and all of the charity golf uh, tournaments that we support uh, and try to make sure that from a superstore standpoint, we're not just here to be a retailer to sell you things. We're here to give back to our community and impact the community through giving uh, through the Arthur M. Blank Foundation. The monies we raise from uh, sales and superstore, we try to uh, channel back into the community uh, through all the different charities associated with and around golf. Well, that's a, that's a pretty cool, uh, cool job. What's the most memorable thing that uh, you've been able to do while working there? I mean, you're dealing with the PGA and the LPGA, and what's something pretty cool that happened? Well, the pretty cool thing is that we we developed a program that we help support charity golf tournaments uh, to enhance their golf tournament in a way so we can give back to the community through golf tournaments. We provide them with a $1,000 hole-in-one uh, golf uh donation for each of their events that we're engaged in. We provide them with gift cards that we ask them for a small investment, but we give them gift cards. We give them uh, other uh, certificates for use of the stores. And then we discount all of the products that they buy. So it's a way to give back to charity, enhance golf, be engaged with golf and, uh, and give back to the community in a way that you, you know you're helping and you're touching golfers. So to me, that development of that program and engaging with the community on a regular basis has been fun. 
Well, that's a great service that you provide. Well, let's get to uh, to you a little bit in your book. You were one of the first black athletes to play for the legendary football coach at Alabama, Bear Bryant. And you've shared with me some, some great stories about those times. And you now just completed writing a book about those experiences. Share with us the, the name of your book and the process that you went through to uh, be able to put those experiences to print. Uh, yes, the, the name of the book is one of the first, the lessons I learned while overcoming the challenges of integration. And it talks about, in, in general, uh, being one of the first to play football uh, at Alabama, but one of the first to integrate high school football in the state of Alabama and uh, being on the first fully integrated team to win the state championship in high school football at Alabama. It also speaks to one of being one of the first to uh, integrate major employee benefits, corporate insurance in the Southeast, along with being one of the first to integrate uh, some of the elite clubs around Atlanta, Atlanta Country Club, and being one of the first to uh, members there. So it speaks to all of this, but more importantly, the lessons I learned and how I overcame some of the challenges that I faced in that process. Well, it's a fantastic book. Um, I, I think I've completed reading it and I think I told you in two, two sittings, it was uh, just a great, great uh, story. I'd heard some, you know, when we had lunch, but it was just a great read. What, what's the most memorable experience you had playing for Coach Bryant? Um, you know, it, it, it's a lot of great memories, but just the, the memories of, of being able to compete on the field in the SEC with so many great athletes. And it, it was so it was so interesting because people asked, well, I, I guess you always dreamed of playing for Alabama because you grew up in the state of Alabama or you dreamed of playing in the SEC. I really didn't dream that much of playing in the SEC, and I never dreamed of playing for Alabama because they had no black athletes, and the SEC had yeah, no black athletes or, or one or two, and it, it just wasn't a dream because you didn't think it was a possibility. And so when I, I got there, to be able to look around and see that you were actually on the field with you know, all Americans that you had seen on TV and, and at, at schools and you're playing against great schools uh, that, that you've only seen on TV that you never dreamed you would be competing against. It was just a truly a dream come true and, and just outstanding. Well, I, I really enjoyed um, part of the book talking about your mom and Coach Bryant. And uh, they ended up having a very special relationship, but it, it didn't start off that way, did it? Jack, no, it really did not start off that way. And uh, it started off a, a, a pretty challenging relationship with Coach Brian and my mother as um, when uh, I was fortunate to, to to be a good player, and I was fortunate to get to receive uh, numerous scholarship offers. And at one point, my mother 
came to me with my father and said, you know, you're welcome to make your decision. We trust your decision. The only place that we say you cannot go is to the University of Alabama and play for Coach Bryant because I know him to be a racist because I saw him stand up on national TV and said he would never recruit a black player. And so she said, you can't go there. And when I communicated that to the people at Alabama, you know, they told Coach Brian, and he said, that's unacceptable. He's the number one player in the state. We need to, you know, have him come play here. What do I have to do to uh, get him to come to Alabama? And my mother said, you need to come to Montgomery, to my house, look me in the eye and tell me you didn't say that. And Coach Brian said, tell me when to show up and I'll be there. So Friday afternoon, six o'clock, Coach Bryant shows up at our home in Montgomery, Alabama. And this was a huge thing for Coach Bryant to visit any player, but to visit a, a, a black player in Montgomery at his home was huge. And the discussion and confrontation that my mother and Coach Bryant had was, um, was an iconic scene in and of itself. Well, just, I won't uh, let the cat out of the bag on that one, but that's worth reading the book just to hear uh, how your mama uh, addressed her concerns and how Coach Bryant uh, responded. It, iconic is a really good, good way to explain that. Uh, you know, you had a number of challenges at Alabama, but one of them, you were dead set on going uh, uh, into the business school at Alabama. and. Uh, that was something that you got an awful lot of resistance about. Tell us about that. Yes, Jack, when, when I entered the university and, and, and was ready to enroll in classes, the uh, advisors and people uh, at the university advising football players said, you know, we put our players in either PE or social work. And I said, no, that's not my agenda. I want to go to the business school. And they took told me that the business school was, you know, really hard. It was a top business school, top nine Ivy League business school in the South. And because of the challenges and because of my high profile, they just did not want to risk me uh, failing. And so they insisted that I go to one of these other in, in, uh, schools. And I said, I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go to business school. And they pushed back so hard, they finally said, okay, Ralph, we're not going to allow you to go to business school. We're just not going to allow it. And I said, guys, I am going to the business school. That, that is what I can do, so I will do it. And they finally said, uh, no, if you want to do that, you have to go talk to Coach Bryant himself. And usually anyone told you have to go talk to Coach Bryant, that meant it stopped right there because nobody intentionally went to Coach Bryant's office. Uh, that wasn't a fun thing to do. But I was so committed to that that uh, I said, okay. And I, I got a meeting with Coach Bryant and I went to Coach Bryant. And, uh, and his point was, this is difficult, it's a challenge. What do you want to do? Why do you want to go to the business school? And I explained to him that in my neighborhood, 
all the men got up and did manual labor. They got up before uh, the sun came up. They went to manual labor jobs. A lot of them never changed clothes during the week. They did all these hard manual labor work. And I said, coach, I don't know exactly what I want to be and what I'm going to do, but I can tell you one thing. When I go to work, I'm going to work after the sun comes up. I'm wearing a suit and tie, I'm working in an office, and I'm using my brain. And when I explained it to him, he said, you seem to have a very clear path of where you want to go. Yes, I'm going to allow you to go to the business school, and, and I'm pretty sure you will be successful. And, uh, you know, as difficult as that was, I am really pleased that, you know, I completed my business school work in the four years, got my degree, and uh, later went back for six years and served on the board of the business school. So that was a, a great honor to be able to go back and, and serve that university in that capacity. That's a great story. <clears throat> well, you had a lot of first at Alabama, obviously, we've talked about some of them, but overall, uh, how did that experience at Alabama shape, you know, you as a man and, and how you benefited from that, uh, from that experience? Well, Jack, you know, there was a, several learnings from the, the challenges that you, uh, that I engaged at, uh, both in high school and at the University of, of Alabama and that it was so challenging most of the time because in life we like to see proof that we can do things before we engage in them. And most of them you wanna see someone who looks like you have already gone through this experience and you know, you know they've done it, I can do it. And when you uh, take on challenges where there hasn't been that one person to go through it, you find the difficulties of, of believing that you can do it. So you have to find something else in you or inner voice or inner trust that says, yes, uh, even though I don't have a physical representation of someone doing it like me, I can visualize myself doing it. I can visualize you know, achieving these things. So I was a big dreamer and I, I could dream of victory in so many ways, and I could see myself there. And, and then I, I was a big prayer. I would pray that God would give me the wisdom and the guidance to, to know what steps to take. And I prayed a lot that if God, you didn't, don't want me to go down this road, please close this door. So with that, you know, I, I kept seeing myself do things even when there wasn't examples of others like me doing it before me. And it, 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 it paved the way for some of the other work that I've done in my life um, because you know, I, I, I finally realized at some point, part of my mission in life was to help society understand that men of color, black men can do any and everything if they are gifted and talented enough to be guided in that direction. And I, I just wanted to show people that some of the, the, the myths that they had about black men wasn't true. We could be successful. We could be educated. We could meet confrontation and not 
do it with violence. And so the, the, my lessons through Alabama and, and, and high school football taught me how to compete on a in, a, in a way that uh, has helped me throughout my life. Well, you've obviously been a great role model for a lot of folks. Uh, you've also uh, maintained a relationship with the school, both academically and athletically. You mentioned the business school. What are, what are some of the roles that you've uh, held since graduating, other things that you've done over there? I think you spent some time on uh, Coach Saban's advisory council, didn't you? Yeah, I, I uh, we have uh, the athletic department has a uh, an oversight committee that oversees the, the athletic department or, or volunteer athletic board, and I've served on that uh, for the university to, uh, to be stay engaged with the football operations there through the our A club, and um, as I said, I served on the business school. I've been very supportive of most of the programs over there and engaged with our university for a number of years. So I, I feel very good about the fact that they, you know, they provided me with an education and I wanted to make sure that I gave back to the university in whatever capacity I could. Well, it looks like your, your Crimson Tide is lined up again for another good year. I know uh, you guys take it for granted and those people like myself and other folks uh, we're, we're pretty jealous, and I know it's just an everyday in the life of an Alabama grad watching them be ranked number one, usually at the beginning and at the end. Uh, Jack, we learned not to take anything for granted because you never know. But one of the things I do like about the, the, the university system and Coach Nick Saban there is his philosophy and his preaching to his kids. He very seldom talked to them about actually winning. He talks to them about the process and executing the process and being willing to engage in your role in this process. But one thing that he says on a regular basis to his players, and if you talk to any of his players that, that's been there in the last five years, they will tell you, at Alabama, we don't lose. That's one thing Coach Saban said, we just don't lose. We may come up short on the scoreboard, but we either win or we learn. The philosophy is either you win or you learn. And if we don't, if we come up short on the scoreboard, but we're learning, we didn't lose. So uh, for me, it, it's all about, and I tried to you know, talk to uh, my associates here at the Superstore about when, when you come up short, you know, there are days you will come up short on the scoreboard. But when you are learning from that, you're not losing, you're gaining for the next opportunity. So uh, Coach Saban is big on folks. We either win or we learn. When we stop learning, we're in trouble. I can assure you that quote will be used again. I'll, I'll give you and Coach, Sa Coach Saban credit for it, but it will be used. Uh, well, listen, tell us one more time. We're about out of time here. Tell us one more time the name of your book and where people can get it. Uh, the name of the book is one of the first and the subtitle is Lessons I Learned While Overcoming the Challenges of Integration. But the title is one of the first. You can find it on Amazon with Amazon Books. You can find it at Barnes & Noble. You can find it on Apple Play, Google Play. You, you know, it, It's there and it's in uh, hard copy. You can get it just on uh, 
for your Kindle. You can get it now uh, on uh, audio books. So it's available in many different fashions and, and Amazon books or Barnes and Noble is an easy way to find it. Ralph, it was a real pleasure being uh, able to spend time with you today and let our audience learn about a lot of your first and you've got a great story to tell. And I want to encourage again, everyone to go out and get your book as soon as possible. As I said earlier, I, I read it in two sittings and really just couldn't put it down. So thank you so much again for being with us today, Ralph. Thank you for the opportunity to share, Jack. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's time together with Ralph and, and we'll encourage others to join us on our next podcast. And until then, I hope you'll make it your goal to be a positive influence in the lives of others. A little bit about Ideals. Ideals uh, Foundation was created in 1993 to help young people uh, develop into more effective leaders and positive role models. And we do that by helping them develop the necessary life and leadership skills to be positive influencers in their lives. And we provide live workshops and have a number of video programs to deliver our content. To view dates of our future podcasts and the guests that we'll be speaking with, you can go to my website, www.jackwwilliams.com and click on the podcast button.